0: Welcome back to the Forward Podcast. I'm Lance Armstrong, your host. Send me an email if you have any questions or comments or concerns or suggestions or whatever it is that's on your mind. The Forward Podcast at weduesport.com. Been getting a lot of notes, keep them coming. Thank you very much. Crazy kind of a crazy week for the uh the Armstrong family. We we were at the Super Bowl. The Super We we live here in Austin. The Super Bowl was in Houston, so we drove over there um, and as I told you guys a week or two ago, and if you've listened uh, to most of these podcasts, you know that the Atlanta Falcons GM, Thomas Dimitrov was on the show uh, a few months back. And uh, so he hooked us up with some great seats. We had like 45 yard line seats uh, right next to my old buddy and, and teammate at the 24 hours of old Pueblo, George he was he was sitting right next to us. So that was fun, but man, what a game. I mean, the, the, most of you, Probably watched it at home. Um, if you if you caught it, it was to be in that stadium and to feel the shift. It, it, it was it was surreal, and um, you know, hats off to Belichick and to Brady and to the Patriots. Uh, it was uh, it was quite the scene. And then you know, of course, at the end when when Roger Goodell had to hand that trophy uh, to Robert Kraft, it was it, it was it was intense. Um, so. Hey, and then the other day, I uh, I put up a picture. Well, it was yeah, a few days ago, I put up a picture um, on on my Instagram and Twitter of I've been having try, like when I look at a menu, it, it's I have to hold it sort of far away, and then uh, I blame that on the fact that it's kind of dark in the restaurant. Or, anyways, I was I was on a golf trip uh, this week with with a buddy, and he had these reading glasses, and I said, let me let me see those things. We're at dinner. We're looking at the menu. So I I put these things on and looked at the menu and it was, it was like, like I had a microscope on my, on both eyes. It was unbelievable. It it was like, Oh my God. And so I went down to the local pharmacy and bought me some quote unquote readers. I posted that picture. It's fuck my life. But, um, 45 years old and I now officially have reading glasses. Kind of crazy. Also, and, and uh, Higgs, my manager, uh, sent me the this. Uh, I was traveling, so I, I wasn't reading the New York Times, but he sent me an op ed that uh, that Ryan Adams and fans of the show, you'll know that I'm a huge Ryan Adams fan. But he wrote an op ed on there about the first time he was heckled at a show, and I got to say, and I know Ryan a little bit. I wouldn't say we're great friends. I'm a huge fan. Um, I think he's a great singer songwriter, so obviously he can write. He penned one of the most amazing op-eds that I've read in a long, long time. It, 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 I can't, I don't have the link in front of me or I'd read it to you, but it's on the times. Um, go check it out. It's, it's, it's uh, very well-written, very heartfelt. And I was very, very proud of him, um, for putting it, uh, in such a way and having a, a view of that incident, that that is that is obviously a very different view today than it was at the time because at the time it was a very painful, awkward uh, situation for him. So um, give it a look, see if if you get a minute. My guest this week is is I've been a fan of his for quite some time. He's a documentary filmmaker. His name is Chris Bell. I first the first documentary that I saw him watch or I saw saw that he had done. Let me start over. Sorry, Simonilla. Uh, the first documentary of his that I saw was "Bigger, Stronger, Faster," which was about um, the culture of PEDs uh, in in gyms and in sports and in uh, all walks of life. And PEDs aren't just the things that that you know, you all know that I know a lot about, but you know, whether it's Adderall or whether it's you know a whole host of things. Uh, it was a fascinating documentary. Um, I, I gave it a little shout out back in the day when I watched it, said it was great. Uh, he appreciated that. He then went on to do another one uh, in the middle. It's called trophy kids. I haven't seen that yet. It, it's on HBO. He did that with Peter Berg. And then he did another one that sits on Netflix and iTunes too, which is called pres- prescription thugs, which is, a, is is about basically about the, the opiate addiction issue here in the United States. Just some crazy stats, right? We are 5% of the world's population yet we consume 75% of the world's pharmaceutical drugs. So we're five, think about that, 5% that uses 75% of all prescription drugs that are manufactured globally. It's amazing. So check out both of those documentaries are great if you guys are fans of those, um, are fans of of documentaries. Um, Chris, we sit for a little over an hour, amazing stories, had a ton of, um, uh, a ton of, you know, loss in his life. He's, he's struggled a ton of loss and struggles. He's struggled with addiction. He's lost a brother to addiction. Um, very, very, uh, uh, very cool guy, compelling guy. And so I, I think you'll enjoy it. Thank you for tuning in and thank you to Chris Bell for, uh, for coming by the house to, uh, to bang it out. Y'all have a good one.
1: Chris, man, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me, man. It's yeah. been a long time coming. I have wanted to meet you for a really long time. Oh, that's cool. Uh, you're somebody in sports that's definitely uh, on my list of people to talk to for a lot of reasons.
0: Well, then this can be a this can be a a, a, a dialogue, not a monologue. Absolutely, yeah. You can ask any questions you want. Yeah, sure, cool. But I, I first and I first reached out to you too. I guess I must have when I watched. Bigger, faster, stronger. Which bigger, I, sh-
1: bigger, stronger, faster?
0: Bigger, stronger, faster. Get it right, Lance. Come on. <laughs> but when I watched it, and, and for those listening, or the regular listeners know that, that I love documentaries, right? mm-hmm. and so I, I love, I watch, I try to watch as many documentaries as I can. I just watched this one the other day called "A Plastic Ocean," which was just crazy. Yeah, I want to see that. Yeah, it's yeah, great. I'll watch it. it yeah. It's it's it, it's. You got to kind of turn away sometimes. It's shit's so crazy that, yeah. that they show. But
1: anyways, when I when I watched your documentary, I reached out or maybe I tweeted it. Tweeted. I mean, yeah. It. Yeah. It's, you tweeted, um, bigger, stronger, faster, great documentary. Everybody should watch it. Yeah. And it was like on Christmas. So I was like, hey, mom, dad, I got a present for you. They're like, what? And I'm like, show them the tweet. They're like, oh, my God. You know, like, that's so cool. You know, so what that was year like was exciting. That? I think that was like might've been 2008 or nine, because yeah. that's when, that's when the movie
0: yeah.
1: uh, first kind of came out. It, it came out in 2008 at Sundance, but it got more popular because people, well, the, the sport world was heating up, so it got more popular and it got more relevant mm. as time went on. I think I actually made it too early, you know, because it was kind of ahead of its time. Nobody's mm. done anything like that. And I just wanted to tell the truth about something that I've been around for 20 years. Yeah. Everybody I know is on the juice, everybody, you know, so uh, top to bottom. I was the only one that wasn't doing it in my, in my crew. And then I, and then after the movie, I got on hormone replacement therapy. And then for a while I, when I was a drug addict, which we'll talk about later, I, I just started g- taking anything, you know? And I'm like, I, I'm the guy that did the steroid movie here and I'm sticking needles in myself like crazy. Trying when, you to, say, when you say hormone therapy, you mean? I was like, doing testosterone, okay. you know? And, but I was also abusing stuff, yep. you know, because I, I became a, a drug addict due to a, a hip surgery that I had that kind of went wrong and Right, which and you talk about in Prescription Thugs, Prescription which Thugs, I also yes. saw
0: and loved, and I, and for the listeners, that's another one you got to see. Um, but we'll get to that too. But um, it, should it have been called Bigger, Stronger, Faster, Smarter? <laughs> Maybe because you, you do talk about. I mean, there there is this issue of uh, of you know uh, Ritalin or you know Adderall, Adderall. And, yeah. and these things that are that that you go into in the in the documentary about college campuses or in the military or you know
1: yeah performance enhancing drugs are everywhere you look and it's not just um drugs it's other things like my second film was called trophy kids i did with peter berg and in trophy kids it was i was gonna call that bigger stronger faster younger was gonna be like the tagline Mm -hmm. to it but uh trophy kids was on uh, hbo as part of a special but there's actually a long longer extended version which i feel is much better because it actually shows the ups and downs of the parents the mm. version that ended up on hbo which was also great just showed the parents yelling at their kids but they didn't show the so love. We're with, like,
0: helicopter parents
1: yeah they didn't show the love that the parents actually had for some of the kids like mm. one of the parents was just like disconnected and he didn't it didn't seem like he really loved this kid but um but what i what i was getting at is like we had an eight-year-old golfer in there so it's like if you can't Put him on steroids, just start him younger. You know, he had an eight year old daughter. Her name was Tigress, was her nickname. She was born on the same day as Tiger Woods and just pushed, pushed, pushed to the point where, you know, she wants to quit. She's doing okay now because the father, through the movie, this is the power of media and this is awesome. Uh, Peter Berg was the executive producer, but uh, but I directed the movie. I was there on the set every day. He's never met this guy. Mm -hmm. But since Peter Berg's the name, the guy decided to send Pete a letter and Pete told me, he said, I'll never forget it. I got this letter from this dad that said, This movie has completely changed the way he's working with his daughter. He's no longer going to coach her. He's no longer going to um, follow her around at the tournaments. He's right. going to let her do her thing. Now, we don't know if he's done that, but that's pretty cool to be able to change right. somebody's view of something.
0: Right. Yeah. I don't think I have five kids and they all, you know, I, people always ask me, at least over the course of the 17 years I've had kids, you know, did your. When did your kids learn how to ride a bike? And the crazy thing was, my kids were the last kids in their grade to ride a bike. Cause I was like, dude, I'm not going to be out here going, you have to learn how to ride mm-hmm. a bike. Um, but just like I, I remember that you remember Pete Marinovich, the quarterback uh, Todd, at, yeah, yeah. Todd Marinovich,
1: yep. Todd, the to USC, my, my alma mater, I mean, the,
0: the dad, you know, he he'd never allowed to have a Snickers bar, could mm-hmm. never have a sleepover. I mean, it's like he had no, he had no kid life
1: and and he was the most amazing football player huge I, talent there's a there's a story about todd that todd told me uh i became friends with him he was going to actually be part of uh he was part of trophy kids when yeah as soon end, as you said it yeah I was they like, had a, a hard little hard thing with him and we were ac- i was actually pitching him on doing the documentary on him mm-hmm. which these other filmmakers ended up doing and it was excellent so i don't mind that somebody else got a shot to make a cool movie mm-hmm. uh, but but yeah todd told me a story where he, um he had thrown – he was in – so he went from the NFL, and then, you know, you go downhill, but you still got to make money. So you go play in uh, arena football. Mm. He's in an arena football game, uh, withdrawing from heroin. He had <laughs> diarrhea so bad, he, he, he had, sh- like, shit his pants, and he still threw 10 touchdown passes in that game. And he said, like, thank God I wasn't wearing white pants. You know, it was like, that was the only saving grace was, like – uh, he's like i was i was withdrawing i was shaking i was trembling i threw 10 touchdown town passes and it's like just a testament to like the guy's a machine but mentally he was broken you know and that's that's a big problem where is a lot he of now efforts. like what is what is what does he do now he's okay now he's an artist <laughs> and uh he's working on his art and just kind of um hanging he guitar, out he
0: plays guitar i think
1: yeah he's he's he over he's over the whole issue i believe you know yeah. i think he's cool now and i know he's had a couple problems with drugs since then um, but also, some people are just addicts. Like we don't know if his father did, you know, if his father's pressure was was what it was. But like I, you know, I've been to rehab. I know some of those people there. there there's no hope for my brother. There was no hope for you know, he was a guy that no matter what he did, he, he came out of rehab, drank the same, you know, the same day, and he he did that kind of stuff. Yeah. And he was a great guy, but he just couldn't stop.
0: Mm.
1: Mm. So you've done three three films or more. Uh, I've done. I should, I should know. I've directed three films. Um, so bigger, stronger, faster. Bigger, stronger, fast. Kids. And Prescription Thugs, all of them are available on Netflix uh, or iTunes. iTunes. And then I did a movie that I found really interesting because after I got sober, I just wanted to help people get sober. And mainly that's all I want to do now is just help people in in general uh, through the power of media. Mm. So, um, yeah, I did Prescription Thugs. And then while I was doing that, I, I got a call from Diamond Dallas Page, who's a pro wrestler. And they call him DDP. So DDP, said, hey, what's going on, bro? We're doing a documentary about Jake the Snake. And, you know, whatever. actually, it was a little bit different than I, I first got a call from the guy directing it. His name is Steve Yu a long time ago. Said, hey, we're, uh, we're getting Jake the Snake sober. This is actually before I got sober. We're helping him get sober, and we're going to put up these YouTube videos. Right. So they put up about three YouTube videos. And I thought it was awesome what they were doing. I was actually crying watching it because Scott Hall was in it too, who was a big wrestler, Razor Ramon. He reminded me of my brother a lot. So when I saw the YouTube video, it just like touched my heart. So I, you know, I reached out to them. We were talking for a while. And then I thought that they were just, I didn't know what they were doing. I just thought they were making YouTube videos, but I encouraged them at one point to turn it into a film. So then like a year later, I get a call from Diamond Dallas Page who says like, hey, we're doing, we got this movie ready. We want you to come to Atlanta. We want you to watch it. We want you to be part of it. I'm like, what movie are you talking about? Like, I've f- completely forgot what they were doing. And um, they just had this, I went to Atlanta and just was prepared to watch something bad, you know? <laughs> it was uh, Just because like, who who knows? You know, it's like, you just don't know. And and it was, they're like, this is really rough. Just trust me and i had like tears in my eyes i was like i was like this is so emotional so they
0: made it but yeah, yeah. What so was it called?
1: it's called the resurrection of jake the snake and all i really did was go you need to put this in here here this in here here and this in here here and you have a yeah. perfect movie and i i believe it is one of those kind of perfect storm movies where everything happened in the right way and when we see it unfold it's just so heartwarming and it's just really cool to see somebody go from addiction to being a functioning member of society and also there's a lot of there's something big that happens at the end of that movie that's really really important to his psyche. He did a movie. He was in a movie called Beyond the Mat that just crushed him. Right. Uh, it just showed him as a crack addict. All of his kids stopped talking to him except for one, and he went really far downhill. Just be, that's the other power of a documentary, you know. As you as you probably know, you know, like it, it can hurt you too, you know. So it goes both ways. I don't,
0: I don't know any. I have no idea what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, the Armstrong lie that didn't <laughs> that didn't hurt you. What that that, that was that one. That was fa- a fascinating movie. Though.
0: I, I um, I'll be honest, I didn't watch it. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I didn't watch any of the stuff. The listeners of this show will know this. I didn't. I didn't watch any of it. There were a mm-hmm. couple more, and and then they did a, a feature film. They did the program. Yeah, yeah. And I had Ben Foster on this podcast, so I was like, I, I kind of have to watch it. How was that? Did you like it? I didn't see that. Um. Well, the movie and we and Ben and I talked about it in his in in the podcast. I mean, the movie was uh, no, it wasn't very good. Yeah. But 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 I'm not I'm the you know I'm not the right person to review the movie. Yeah, really, yeah, yeah, sure. Anybody listening is going to go well. No, more. yeah, of course you hated it. Yeah, but it, but it it just was bad. And I, and yeah, I there's think, good movies and bad movies. It doesn't matter it, what it's it was about. a bad movie. It didn't do well. Um, look, besides the obvious, which we all know, you know, I know, everybody in this room knows. Everybody listening knows um, that was in there, of course. Mm-hmm. But then there were, you know, the, there were twenty other things that that they had to add to sure. kind of make the movie, quote unquote, interesting to them. That just didn't happen. So I, it's hard for me. Like I watched that, and I'm like, what the fuck was that? Like I yeah, they missed. Did, they, did they, I did, was I asleep for a year? Yeah, I never it? did that. <laughs> yeah, that just didn't. So. That's
1: hard to watch. Like you watch that and you're like, all right, this is what next? Like, you, you know, you're going well, to have a true story, like the way that you met your wife or something, it's not always like a good, like, it's not a good, it doesn't make that much sense. Like, well, right. a friend of a friend brought me to this party and, yeah. you know, trying to explain to somebody and it's like, they're just, they just make it easy. And then the people fall in love and they made it easier. Right. Mm-hmm. So they take a true story and they just kind of tweak it to try to make it easier. But yeah. sometimes it's, uh, you know, sometimes it just doesn't ring true. And that's why I love documentaries. Cause it's real. Right. You know? And I, I, I should watch. One of these days, I'll watch Gibney's. Alex Gibney is. I a like great, Alex Gibney. Yeah, he's a great documentary filmmaker. Yep. He's somebody I, I really look up to. I was speaking with my dad about Alex Gibney, yep. and my dad said, "You're going to be the next guy like that." And I'm like, "You know, well, how, he's done like 20 movies." My dad's like, "He's like almost 60. Right. You're only 44." You he's Academy like, "You have Award so much too. time." Yeah. And um, yeah, you won an Academy Award, and that's that. That would be one of my goals. And how the old, old are you? 44. Oh, I thought you just said
0: 24. I'm not no, 24. No, no
1: yeah but well, you better <laughs> I get going like, yeah, yeah I, better, I better get moving right you so moving that's but but that actually as as i got sober in the past three years i've been more active than i ever been have been in my entire right. life so i feel like that was a key that was something that was holding me back you my felt like life. so
0: just the efficiency of your day just you you know i call it msh making shit happen yeah yeah You, uh, what factor did it increase or
1: what percentage you know when you you know got sober yeah Um, just the fact that I became more responsible and Mm. started taking care of myself. I got up to like 260 pounds. Mm. I'm five foot six. That looks like a meatball with a head. It doesn't look good. It's not attractive. Not quite round, (laughs) but it was close. Almost. Yeah. Kind of a squish meatball, uh, or stuffed sausage or something like that, you know? So yeah. And, and so after I got out of rehab, Actually, when I was in rehab, I was in a really crappy rehab at first. So uh, this really crappy rehab was just all I could afford and get into right. at the time and got detoxed and everything. And I just went on, a, I call it the war on carbs because uh, everything they had there was, like, disgusting. And the only thing that I could bring myself to eat was, like, the cooked meat. You know, it right. was, like, it was like literally, like, they get, like, leftovers from the stores. And it's just, like, all these cakes and, and pasta and everything. So um, I just started going no carb then or low carb, right. you know when I was at rehab and when I got out, um, I just continued that, you know, I just kept continuing that. When I went to Sundance for the uh, Resurrection of Jake the Snake, that was actually in the Slam Dance Film Festival. We went out there and I told everybody, like when I got there, I'm like, I'm not gonna eat carbs the whole time. And they're like, you're crazy. Why are you gonna do that? I'm like, I just need to lose weight. I'm too fat, you know? And so a low carb has been something that I've been doing for like a really long time, ever since the days of Dan Duchesne, You know about Dan Duchesne? Mm -mm. Dan Duchesne was the original biohacker. So you hear about like Bulletproof Coffee and Tim Ferriss and all these kind of awesome, you know, uh, gurus out there. Dan Duchesne was the original guru who uh, basically changed the face of sports, Hollywood, and anti-aging from (laughs) a one-bedroom apartment in Venice, California. Dan Duchesne. Yeah, yeah, D-U-C-H-A-I-N-E. And Dan was a rebel he was kind of like the first biohacker you know so he was the first guy that's like look if you eat a lot of fat and you cut your carbs and you keep your protein moderate you're gonna you're gonna get lean because i've seen this in epilepsy studies from kids with epilepsy right. they do the ketogenic diet and they all their you know, markers for uh, blood pressure goes down their you know uh cholesterol goes down and all this stuff and so through research of other things you know, obviously lose weight yeah he started to apply the diet now Atkins had been doing that as well, but Atkins wasn't a ketogenic uh, diet. It's close to a ketogenic diet, but ketosis is when your body's producing ketones. And the only way you get there is in the absence of glucose. Now, if you know you don't have glucose in your in your body, there's a lot of things that can't happen. One of them is cancer cells can't grow. Mm. So if you don't have uh, glucose, the cancer cell can't grow. Right, you're not
0: feeding now, a malignant and cell. It's,
1: and, and just to be clear, because I don't want to give anybody false hope on anything, um, there's also a glutamine involved, I believe. So I'm not a doctor, but I know that um, you have to get rid of, of not just the glucose, but in some cases, in some cancers, also the glutamine, which I guess gets a little bit trickier. Mm. And they said that needs to be done through a drug. But there, are these guys that are treating cancer as a metabolic disease and not a um, genetic disease, I think they're on to something. I don't know if, they, if they're going to, you know, who knows if they'll ever find a cure, but um, I think they're on to mm. finding some better treatments mm. with it. And so that's, I, I went on the ketogenic diet because uh, Dan Duchesne would always talk about like, Hey, if you need to lose really f- weight, really fast, do this, do that. Is, but he, I, is he the guy that did the bulletproof coffee? Who did, no, no, no. So he's, he's so dead. This, Cause
0: somebody, a buddy of mine started this bulletproof coffee thing. Same, name's my buddy, Seth. <clears throat> and he was always, he's a big dude, super yeah. yoked, very fit. And I saw him over the holidays and he's still big and fit and yoked, but he's, 20, 30 pounds lighter. Yeah. And so he drinks this coffee in the morning. Help me with this. He drinks He's, this coffee. Yep. And then he doesn't eat. Yep. All day. Fasting. Yes. And then he has dinner and you know, the dinner is, you know, zero carbs. It's, it's a yeah. ketogenic
1: diet. And he and probably doesn't even mind it. He's probably not hungry. Either, he right?
0: doesn't. He, when so, well, when somebody says they don't mind it and they haven't eaten all day, mm-hmm. part of me calls bullshit because oh, you have to mind that. Maybe you get used to it. hmm It must be a break-in period or a period of a week or two. What happens is
1: you get get fat adapted. And you're right. You're exactly right. You get miserable for like two weeks and you might have stomach distress and whatever. Once you turn to that fat-burning machine, uh, you change over a little bit. Now, uh, there's been a lot of research from Dr. Dominic D'Agostino, who would probably love to talk to you. I watched his thing on YouTube. Yeah. Dr. Dominic D'Agostino is awesome. And he actually has been um, doing a lot of research. Is this the guy
0: that was the swimmer? That was real heavy. Who's the guy that no. was a swimmer? He was—he's like a ultra marathon swimmer. He's like the one of oh, the I
1: preeminent. Uh, yeah, I don't remember that guy. Ketosis guy—is it Butters or something? No, the, no. Oh, is it one of the? Because a lot of the marathon runners now and yeah. cyclists mm-hmm. are using a ketogenic diet because it can fuel you in a ways that you know that the other that the carbohydrates can't. So ketones are really good for your brain. They're actually the preferred fuel of the brain and the heart. So. You know, if Peter, you're
0: Peter Atiyah. Oh, Peter Atia. Yeah, yeah. I know who he is. Yeah. So he's like a, you know, like, I don't know, swims like the English Channel or he's something. He's kind of a guru. Yeah. And he was, you know, he was fit because he was a swimmer, but he, you saw a picture of him. This, he was fat. Yeah. And he started, you know, this ketogenic diet and and now he travels the world and speaks about, that's the thing I watched on YouTube. Yeah, sure. And I
1: I always say it's not for everybody, but if you have metabolic issues, you have disease, you know, you should, you should go after it. You know, I, I look at, um, so the first book I ever read about the ketogenic diet was Dan Duchesne's body opus, militant fat loss, it was called. And my, my younger brother, Mark, he did it, he did it Mm -hmm. first. And when he did it, he was 20 years old and he just got super, super lean and he looked great, and he felt great, and um, so I was powerlifting at the time. I weighed two hundred and forty-two pounds, and I was powerlifting with this guy, Mike O'Hearn, who's this uh, bodybuilder out from Gold's Gym. He's, he's pretty, fan, pretty well known. And um, we were we were squatting and stuff. And he's just like, you know what? You need to lose weight. You need to be in like the lower weight class. Like if you were in two, like and he, he actually killed me. If you were in two weight classes down. Right. You'd be pretty good. That's twenty pounds. 10, <laughs> That's 10? like forty pounds. Forty pounds. 40. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But he's, but but like you know, he's like, you'd be pretty strong if you were like if you weighed a lot less, you know, because be because uh, you know. So basically, I, I talked to another guy in the gym who turned me on to. He's like, yeah, just don't like throw throw away. Just just don't eat carbs. And I'm like, what? He goes until your competition. Just eat red meat and water. You'll stay strong. You know. Just make sure you eat red meat because you have to have a lot of fat. And I'm like, that was my introduction to it. It was a weird introduction, but I did a red meat red meat and water diet in 1995 on my way to the california state powerlifting championships Mm -hmm. and i won i squatted like 650 i benched like four or something and i don't know what i deadlifted my deadlift sucks like five something uh those numbers suck by today's standards and what people are doing now but the whole sport has just grown into a bunch of monsters that i i couldn't hang with anymore you know right
0: right so what um uh you know i have the regular listeners of this show know that that there's one problem that i would have Mm -hmm with this whole
1: thing this diet and it's red wine Mm -hmm. red wine's a no-no oh well red wine um actually so because the ketogenic diet has been the most searched term on the internet in 2016 for health and fitness really there's companies out there that are making some cool stuff give you an example there's a wine that has one gram of carbs you can drink a couple glasses of it every day you'd be fine they they figured out ways to. There's get, still a problem. Get rid of just a couple
0: of glasses is a problem.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Got to drink like two bottles. Yeah,
0: not two bottles. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, you know that's when I was drinking heavily, so um, I, I would they would say two glasses of wine is fine, yeah. and I would justify that by like I drink you know the whole bottle and drink another one later.
0: But like my buddy that, yeah. that I told you about that that really leaned out using this diet, <clears throat> so he doesn't drink wine anymore, but he'll he'll drink tequila. So according to his, you know, yeah,
1: the paleo diet actually says that you can drink. Tequila. Uh, tequila
0: not vodka not bourbon
1: not scotch not wine not beer but tequila and you know why um, because te- tequila is not made from um, potatoes. grains right and, e, and potatoes or grains and, right. and we I think potatoes kind of fall on that paleo diet but a, a big thing is like a lot of people want to go back to the way that we ate when we were you know so they say oh we were we were all ketogenic back in the day and that's not really true either so
0: what is Rogan doing because we you know we well this is a long, you know, long, winding story, but I met Rogan through you yeah. because I was I was so shocked when I watched Jeff Nowitzki get on there and mm-hmm. just spew a bunch of bullshit. Um, and so I sent you a note, and I'm like, hook me up with Rogan. So that's – but Rogan's on some diet. He's always posting yeah, pictures. Yeah, he's, he's doing a keto diet or, or something.
1: I, he was I doing he's a, got like a keto diet. Peppers and steaks and – yeah, I think it was doing something uh, very simple. I actually mm. just started a YouTube channel called Keto Strong. And Keto Strong is just to basically show people, you know, the ways to do it. Like, mm. the, the thing, you know, I actually have a bunch of interviews on there. I just literally just started it. So it's kind of like a little bit of a mess right now. There's like five or six videos up. Mm. But nice. it's going to be the place to go to yeah. once. Because I, I just want to get content out. But the big thing is people are looking for yeah, information okay. and they're starved. And if I put out one video and I hold it off every week, like they're not going to get content. I shoot stuff all the time, so I might as well just keep putting it out. You yeah, know? I hear you. No, I, I, I think every day I think about.
0: In fact, we're working on this. This audience also knows it, but working on a similar concept
1: for the endurance world because sure. it's just the the you know there's not that hub for. We need to hook you up with uh, Dominic D'Agostino then, because you guys you need to have this information on what this does for endurance athletes, the ketogenic diet. And I can get you hooked up with him, no problem. I'd love to know. we will set him up. He'd be excited to talk to you. Who
0: pays for these films? Like, when you make a film, whether it's, I mean, I'm I'm assuming bigger,
1: stronger, faster, you just paid for it yourself, or how? I was a $1.5 million budget, so I don't... So, for your first film? I'm not good at riding a bike, so I don't have that kind of money. So, somebody had to pay for it. Yeah, yeah. So, you're a
0: nobody. You've never made a film.
1: Yeah. I was a complete nobody, but i i do mean you're a nobody but you've never made a million and a half you're you're, You're like you go up to you're exactly right i'm gonna make a film i was a power lifter that trained at gold's gym yep um but i've done a lot of cool things in my life and i've made friends with a lot of cool people so you know i you know john cena is one of our best friends (laughs) we in the beginning helped him get into wrestling like so you know through the gym and through all these other people i started forming these friendships with people And a lot of the people have a lot of money and I don't care about that. That doesn't, I don't care how much money you have or not. But when I start talking to you about something I want to do, they just go like, well, what do you need? Mm. And I said, well, I, you know, you're not going to want to hear this, but I need like half a million dollars. And they're like the first guy that we said that to, it was a little bit harder than this, but it basically was like, okay, you know, like let's, let's do it, you know, because people get get excited Mm. about what you're doing Mm. and they want to get on board, you know? So I think that uh, it's, Gotten a little easier. The second movie was funded by a friend named Jake Wood, another guy I met at the gym, at Gold's Gym in Venice. <laughs> and he said, Tell me more about this trophy kids. I, I'm really interested. And you know, they get executive producer credit. If you're if you're somebody who's a philanthropist or you're somebody that wants to change the world, fund documentaries, you know, and it you might not make your money back, or you might not um, you know, get famous off of it or whatever, you know, you, you might be looking for. Well, you're definitely going to help change the world and that's people so
0: bigger stronger faster did it make money eventually uh
1: bigger stronger faster ended up making all of its money back okay. but the i have, the problems in distribution yeah. so mark cuban mark cuban's company magnolia they bought the film now people have these businesses these billionaires and people have these businesses to make money so they gave us like they bought it at sundance for six hundred fifty thousand dollars, and then after that like that was an advance you know and so then it started making money. And then as it starts making uh, money, you start paying everybody back. Right. So I never saw a penny from the movie. Yep. You know, the movie's been seen by probably 10 million people. Yep. You know, it's on Netflix, and it's one of the most popular sports documentaries on there. It's always in, like, top 50, you know, Netflix. If it's sports, just specifically sports, it's always in there, you know, like in top something, you know. So I feel like uh, I got screwed in a way, but you you learn, you know. Right. And then the second film was a little, little bit different. Like, we did that with HBO, and then in the second film, so they underwrite it. I didn't get paid either because yeah. trying to, you got to learn how to make it cheaper and get it out there quicker. And that's what I'm learning now. Just be more efficient. Like it was taking too long. And, you know, I was relying on a lot of, a lot of other people and stuff like that. So then when we got to prescription thugs, it was a lot better. I was working with one of my best friends, Greg Young, who's like my editor and producer, but Greg and I um, pitched a contest. So Peter Billingsley is a little kid that played Ralphie in Christmas story. And Ralphie uh, is now, well, Peter is now an executive producer of a, of a lot of films. He's Vince Vaughn's partner. So <laughs> they were running a contest. It's like Willy Wonka. They're running a contest like, want to get your movie made? Like, you know, come pitch to us and we're, we'll, are we like, an American Idol type thing. Right. And I'm like, I-, I could win this. You well, know like what
0: I mean? So da- Man, Matt Damon has a, the green yeah, light. Yeah, like green light, but this yeah. was green
1: light for documentaries, basically. Mm-hmm. It was called uh, Pursuit of the Truth. And uh, it was on like Glenn Beck's network. So, like, nobody really watched it or anything. Mm. But it got me like you know half a million dollars to make the movie because we I had to go in against like maybe like fifteen hundred other filmmakers at the beginning. There was fifteen hundred, and it got narrowed down to one, and I I was the one that won the contest. Wow. And the reason I feel like I won that contest was like I had experience, I could show them I could do this, and I also had a subject matter that people needed to hear about, and I also had the access to the people, mm. and I think those three things lined up. But I ended up being the one letting them down because they funded the movie and then um, halfway through the movie I, I relapsed I was I was a drug addict from a hip surgery I had. I had a double right. hip replacement surgery at 33 from genetic arthritis yep. and I couldn't handle the pain. I couldn't handle the drugs. I just I didn't know what I was doing. I, I got really in way too deep right. you know we're talking th- like Oxys, and yeah, yeah, all that stuff, yeah. So like ten Percocet a day, and blah, and it, it just kept going up, like so. What's stronger,
0: was, oxycodone
1: or Percocet?
0: Oxycotton, oxycotton. Yeah, yet.
1: oxycodone is actually the drug name for what they put in hydrocodone and all. Yeah, okay. it's like it's, but oxycodone is more like the code name for Percocet. Okay, you know so. Uh, but yeah, so I got hooked on all this stuff. I, you know, my Wait,
0: what is that? Like I've had surgeries, and it's and, heroin.
1: You know? Okay, right, but
0: but I've had surgeries, and they give you these things. <laughs> cause you're obviously recovering and in a lot of pain, but I don't feel, uh, you know, the pain goes away from mm-hmm. the surgery, from the incision or from whatever, you know, you had surgery for. Um, but I don't feel like, it's not like I take one, uh, after the surgery and all of a sudden you're walking around like,
1: like, well, I've never done heroin. So I don't know. Yeah. But.
0: But it see, that's the difference. Yeah, you, it must you, you, be the. You just difference.
1: said I. I take one, right? <laughs> I take five. You know what I mean? So that's that's and a big difference. the. And then what? fuck.
0: I mean, you just oh, you just fly. You're,
1: you're all warm and fuzzy. Everything feels great. It's like for some reason you want to do things that you've never you know done before. And that's when the behavior starts getting crazy, you right. know? And um And you're and, always chasing is five, you know, say one day you did five, right? Yeah. And then the next day you did
0: five and it feels like four and a half. Yeah. And the next day it's-
1: and, and people on time all the time argue with me on like Facebook and Instagram will say, like, hey, just beware this can happen to anybody and they'll say, It can't happen to me, bro. And I'm like, I was that guy. I had every box checked. Mm-hmm. Like, I knew what I wanted to do with my life. I went to USC Film School, which is the best film school in the world. I graduated. I made a short film. I worked my ass off in the meantime to try to write scripts and try to get things made. finally got the opportunity to make my film. And you think I would be like, just so, okay, now I'm in a really good place, you know? Mm-hmm. But I, I wasn't happy. I wasn't satisfied. I wanted more. I had this thing in my head, like like Bigger, Stronger, Faster went to Sundance and it didn't win any awards. And I'm like, it's way better than that movie and it's way better than that movie and it's way better than that movie. And from that, I learned like, stay in your own lane. Don't worry about it. People will find your film. People will people will appreciate what you're doing. And in the end, I think I'll come out on, you know, my film's still around. None of those films, except for Man on Wire, which was awesome, are really making any any waves. There's nobody talking about them on podcasts or anything like that. But um, I've learned to deal with not being the guy that gets the prize, and that was important for me. And there's a lot of things that I dealt with in sobriety, like yeah. that I didn't deal with before in my life. Yeah,
0: and then that's that's such an interesting story when when this all unfolds in Prescription Thugs, and you finally. But I want to I want to I want to talk about I want to talk about that more in you know in greater depth. So, sure. But, but before we get to that, because I want to talk about your brother. And, yeah. And, sure. And when did he,
1: your brother Michael? When yeah. did he he passed? Two thousand eight. So, uh two thousand. Wait, he passed away. Um, two thousand nine. After bigger, stronger, a bigger, stronger, faster came of, out. It was December fourteenth, two thousand nine. Yeah. So, uh, bigger, stronger, faster came out at Sundance right. in because he's in the movie. Yeah, January yep. two thousand eight. And he's there's, also in there, first, he's there's there's three brothers. Yeah, there's three brothers. Right. So we call him Mad Dog. That was his nickname. He always wanted to be a pro wrestler ever since he was five years old. And he was. We went. We went to the Mid Hudson Civic Center in Poughkeepsie, and Chief Jay Strongbow beat Greg the Hammer Valentine, and he jumped up out of his seat and he said, "This is what I want to do for the rest of my life." And I remember that day like it was I was like four. I'm like I, that's the only time, thing I really remember from being a kid right. was his passion for professional wrestling. Dude, I grew
0: up I, not to not to. I just want to. It's so crazy you talk about these wrestling stories because when I, I grew up in Dallas or in the southern Dallas, so I grew up watching <laughs> Friday Night Wrestling with with the Von Erichs, the dad Fritz yeah. Von Eric with the Iron Claw, and then the sons Kevin and Carrie and
1: and David and, and what? A, by the by the way, that was the best era of wrestling ever.
0: And they had it you know awesome. they you know they fought Kabuki and they fought yeah. uh, Andre the Giant and they fought and this shit like that's all. And I must have been like my son's age i must have been seven or eight or nine and friday night man i sat there and then when it was over me and my buddies you fucking you pull up your bvds and and you you pull all the shit out of the room and you've got you make your own ring and next thing you know you're doing the iron claw Mm -hmm. like it was
1: Yeah, i don't think people understand Like people think oh it's silly or you know you like i still i still follow wrestling not like a diehard fan but i follow because i end up you know, like I'm friends with Cena. I'm friends with Dwayne Johnson. I'm right. friends with all these guys. Well, the that way, been, yeah,
0: you know? these dudes that we watched on Friday Night Wrestling. I mean, to compare and
1: contrast, right? You could talk about Jake the Snake. You could talk about
0: uh, the Snooker or whatever. Yeah. You could talk about the Iron Sheik. I mean, uh, you know, the Von Erich. I mean, th- these are a lot of these are tragic stories. Yeah, especially then, Snooker. Now he just passed away. Right. And, and he hadn't you, murdered somebody. Exa- well, yeah. yeah, that was the rap. And then, and then you see Cena, Cena, and then you see the Rock, and then like. WWE, like this huge- Yeah,
1: there's a a big divide, right? So, and I can say this because I know them. John Cena, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Triple H- um, and The Rock, right, there and Mick Foley, the, and The Undertaker. Those are the yeah. big, big stars, like the huge stars. You know The, the Undertaker names. lives in Austin? And the, uh, cool. He's awesome, man. I love him. He plays – well, no, he. I he's play actually, golf. I don't really know him. He's like one of the only guys I don't know, and I, I wish I did because I think he's cool. Dude, he, <laughs> he lives on a golf
0: course that I play probably four or five times a year, and every time we are on the whole house, it's just like, the fucking The Undertaker lives right there.
1: Like, it is just – I picture him living in like a dark castle or something. And he still wrestles. (laughs) Yeah, he's amazing. And um, so all those guys, though, they're a little different. They never got into the painkillers like these other guys did. I just was at John Cena's gym in Tampa.
0: But hang on. They're getting into painkillers because, you know, look, wrestling's not, yeah, yeah. Not but I'm saying,
1: I'm saying there, there's two there's two sides. The side that ends up being successful are the guys that are smart enough to see the mistakes of the others and not go that route. Right. So the Rock and Triple H, they didn't go that route, but all their friends did, and they watch it happen and I watched them die. But you
0: know? the, but 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 the painkiller. You're taking painkillers not because they're partying. They're take although the sport is not totally real. Jumping oh, off get, jumping yeah, off the killed. top rope
1: does hurt. So yeah, and that, and you do get hurt. You do get hurt. Right. And the thing is. Um, they just become so abusive because opiates you need more and more and more of them, mm. and you also get this um, you get this condition where uh, hyperalgesia I think it's called. Mm. Doctor Drew told me about this. Where actually after after like two months on opiates they don't work anymore for chronic pain. They're not going to help you at all. Mm. So that's another thing people need to understand. Opiates are not they're not a good treatment for chronic pain. There's actually studies that show over the counter stuff like Advil and Tylenol in combination may be a better painkiller, mm. right? but is is by the patients like overwhelmingly by the patients that did the double blind placebo study are saying the advil and tylenol combo they they preferred that to the opiates okay now that being said those things are really toxic you know i was taken after i got off opiates i was taking 10 to 12 advil a day and all that dangerous stuff and that gets dangerous there's plenty of days as well 10 advil yeah it's really bad for your liver can't you take four advil every four hours you can, but if you if you want to keep your liver, then you know it's it's going to be really. Well, tough well let me think liver. about it. Um, Yeah, I'd yeah, like yeah. to keep. My plus, liver. plus, if you drink alcohol and you have four Advil every three hours, that's that's a lot of Advil. Let's, I had a friend. Let's call talk me. about something else. Yeah, <laughs> I had a friend call me, but this is serious. I had a friend call me. His name's Justin House. He lives in uh, England, and he used to be a, like two hundred ninety pound bodybuilder. And he called me and he said, "Hey, I just want to tell you something. I heard you on this podcast talking about this and this and." Just wanted to let you know that I had a kidney transplant. I was a newbane addict for like a while and then I got off newbane, and then for like the last 6 or 7 years I've been taking like 20 Tylenol and Advil in combination a day and he had to have his kidney replaced. Mm. So and he's the doctors are pretty sure they say that it was from all the NSAIDs that he took. Now uh he was able to get his brother's kidney. He's okay now and he's doing fine. But that's when I decided to, to, like, find an alternative. And that's where I, I came to my next documentary, which right. is about Kratom. And I want to get to that, yeah. too. But
0: I'm sorry. I just – because the story of your brother, I just want to close that. Sure, little. yeah. so sad, fascinating. I mean, I mean we all I'm, sort of lived it because I watched the first doc. And, and, you know, he wanted to be a wrestler. He made it to be a wrestler. Yeah. He, he –
1: He just didn't make it to where he, or he What did they
0: call it? He was, you know, he was, you know, on the under – was he ever – you know, he was never
1: a big star, and that's yeah, what he that's what he wanted. That's, that's what, he, what he saw, and especially like so. John Cena moved to California in uh, two thousand, and we saw him. We're like, you have to be a wrestler. You look awesome. He he had spiky blonde hair, like a flat top, and right. he just like this like some military uh, Duke Nukem. He looked like you know. So I was like like a video game character. So my brother Mark and I we, we were friends with him, and we introduced him to Mike. And Mike was like, hey, you got to come to wrestling school. I'm the head trainer there. Whatever. If your brother yeah eventually we eventually we my brother was the first guy to train john cena basically my brother and another guy tom howard who's a friend of ours they were sure. the first guys to work with john cena ever in a wrestling ring so like that's pretty cool you that's, know that's that's kind of making that's it super cool i mean like if you look at it but but it my, changed john cena's life it changed john cena's life and john cena is still like a great friend to us he's, he's awesome yeah i actually have a, a television show that i'm working on him with him right now and that's you know, it's funny because when we helped Cena get involved, he did all the work. We didn't do anything. But people always ask, like, did you get any money for that? And I'm like, no, it's, it's a, he's my friend. I don't, I'm not mm-hmm. trying to be an agent or anything like that. But the thing is, um, but now you get those perks because now, you know, that he's further along and he can actually help me. Now Now right. that's when those things right. come in handy. Right. But to go back to my brother, uh, he just always wanted more. He was like, you know, he just wanted to be the best at what he was doing. When he was in high school, mm-hmm. He weighed 275 pounds and he played fullback and he, he was big, strong and fast. And that's kind of where the, the where the name comes from. Right. He just ran over people, you know, and he had a, a running back behind him named Dwayne Gordon. 275
0: natural or. Yeah. He wasn't,
1: he wasn't on steroids then he was in, in high school. Mm. He had these like 30 inch quads, you know, he was squatting 500 pounds for a lot of reps. And to me, that was just the most impressive thing ever. And that's what got me excited about lifting weights. Yep. So to, to watch that, uh, unfold to watch him go to a, a state championship bowl game and be the guy blocking for the guy that's got like 200 yards. Cause it, like the kid was awesome. And my yeah. brother was the fullback, but they, yeah. they used him as mainly a, a blocking back. And then my brother had another like 20 yard carry in that game. And so it's kind of funny to watch like 10 guys trying to take somebody down. Yeah. And uh, it's like an elephant running down the field, Yeah.
0: No, in high so, school, my son plays high school yeah, football. Yeah. So there's, and he's 250 wow a left guard, huge. Wow. So, i can imagine what 275
1: yeah. looks at, and looks like running and he's you. aggressive
0: hmm. yeah.
1: you know he's aggressive he was he was always, always the kid he was never he always says this i was never a bully but i'll always stick up for what's right so if somebody was picking on somebody he go kick their ass you know that's that's how he was and and it happened a lot younger brother uh he was my older brother older brother yeah, he so was the oldest he was the oldest Yep. Yeah. You know? and he was always kind of uh mis- normally
0: the youngest is the toughest
1: yeah really because well, they get
0: beat up all the time yeah right? older he was brothers. very
1: mischievous like mad dog would go out like sneak out of the house to go to concert do all those kind of things try drugs and and y'all I would, grew up pretty religious are your folks yeah very religious. religious and i would always tell my like my parents were like well thank god the other two are good because mark and i never did anything out of the mm. out of the realm of like we didn't want to get in trouble like we were we were very fearful of like getting in trouble and mike wasn't he just was like a renegade all his whole life so Uh, when he got to WWE, he was probably the most popular guy in the whole locker room, you know, because he, he just had the gift of gab. He could talk to everybody. I think I got that from him, you know, and, um, I feel like everybody loved him, but he didn't love himself. Mm -hmm. He couldn't find that love inside where it says, I'm really, really good at this. And it didn't come from home and it didn't come from, you know, my parents or my family. I believe it came from, from the way he felt about himself because Nowadays, you know, we have a lot of inner, we have a lot of pressures on us as kids. And I think he might've just felt that a lot earlier than, than other people. He just never thought he was good enough, you know? And that's really sad. Cause you hear it all the time in rehab. Yeah. I wasn't good enough. I didn't fit in, yeah. but nobody fits in and nobody's good enough. If like, you know, if, if you think you're good enough, like we look at that in this culture and say, well, I'm satisfied. Right. And we also have a flip side of it. People say, you know, like fuck excuses. Like, don't just go out and do it. Like, you know, it's like that kind of thing where it's like, uh, you can do anything you want, it. so there's a, there's a fine line there, right? You want to inspire people to go out and do things, but, I could never be Lance Armstrong, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, that's just not going to happen. Uh, no matter how much I ride a bike or not, you know, we, I have a genetic potential that was made up to be a filmmaker. Right.
0: But, you, but you can be the next Alex Gibney.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, like, let's so find what you can be the next of yep. and and go do that or be, you know, my, my younger brother always says, be an original. Like, just yep. be an original. He always says, like, everybody in the world that, like, you're an original. Mm-hmm. You, you were, like, the first, you were, you were the guy that brought it all in to cycling like you're right. the guy that the, the reason i would never watch a bike race i watch all your stuff you know because yeah. you got me excited about it you were you know michael jordan got me excited about basketball but i'm not really that much of, right. of a basketball fan so i think
0: yeah people always ask me you know why why, why don't we have more uh, uh you know why don't we have better american cyclists so, mm-hmm. you know over the last 20 years i got that question a lot right so and the answer is because as a when a kid is 5 or 6 and he starts playing soccer and then he plays football and then he plays you know he plays whatever he you know he's i call it distracted you know he's not he, he's playing the sports that all his friends play which you know fair enough he's playing the sports that he watches on TV he's playing the sports that they offer at the local athletic club or, or in school you know for a kid to say you know what I'm going to join the swim team or I'm going to get a bike or I'm going to join the cross country team Fuck, no kid does that because mm. none of their buddies are doing it. So yeah. I mean, we have you know thousands of winners of the of the Tour de France, right? That that are that are average tennis players or average not that's a bad example. Average football players, mm. average soccer players. Yeah. But they just you
1: know, you never discover it because because they were afraid to go yeah. into it. Now here, and another good story for the younger people, you know, listening. I never went into filmmaking because I came from a meathead background mm. and Mad Dog was like that's gay. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like, what, what are you going to go in drama class mm. next? And I was like, actually, yeah, I'm taking an acting class. You know, but M- it was mad,
0: mad Dog, your brother.
1: Yeah, it wasn't like he discouraged me, but like that was the in our town in Poughkeepsie, New York. That's the, the sentiment. It's like, don't do wimpy shit. You yeah, know, the
0: fuck is that Poughkeepsie, New
1: York? Uh, upstate from uh, Manhattan, about two hour drive.
0: And so your brother gets hurt. He gets hurt wrestling, and then yeah. And so then what, the happened to,
1: what happened to Mike is uh, he was wrestling a guy named Perry Saturn. Uh, they, something got messed up. Uh, Mike said it was Perry's fault. Perry says it was Mike's fault. So, uh, he's this guy, Perry Saturn, who was on contract with WWE and Mike is just a enhancement talent, you know, there to get, get beat up or whatever. Uh, Perry Saturn started punching him and then he threw him out of the ring and he landed on his, on his head. Really punching him. Yeah. If you, if you look, it's like, it's, it's insane that he didn't die and break his neck but what he did is is um damaged a bunch of vertebrae in his neck Mm. and ever since that moment he was crazy like ever since that that time when he got thrown out of the ring like he was already into a lot of stuff but it just got way worse Mm. it just got to to like you know and plus with that whole incident uh, he went backstage and shane mcmahon said you handled that very well like i'm so surprised you didn't beat him up or like get into a fight with him for real you know, you handled it professionally. We're going to have a talk with him. Now, what happened to Perry Saturn was now he's got this gimmick where he was, like, fell in love with a mop. So Vince McMahon knows how to get you if you do something wrong. Right. So they, they gave him, like, some silly thing. And, um, and now he's, like, homeless. And, like, you know. So it's, like, it, it, these people in wrestling aren't always the best people, you know. And they're not always... Gonna protect you, and that's a that's another thing with wrestling is you have to uh, you have to look out for yourself because you're in there in the ring with these other people that can really hurt you, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like that incident. I'm not gonna say the guy killed him or anything; that would be ridiculous. But what I'm saying is, like, ever since that incident, he wasn't the same, and then yeah. and then he started going on psych meds, and the psych meds really messed him up. And psych meds, like,
0: no, that was the tipping point. All I mean, right. that was that was the,
1: the, the, there was a shift sure. there. And and the psych meds, I'm saying for him because I don't want mm-hmm. people to get all up in arms, like, hey, I'm on this or that for him were the biggest problem because that's what turned his brain upside down. Mm -hmm. That's what made him, uh, that's what really made him lose it was being Mm -hmm. on these meds. When he was on Paxil, he tried to kill himself like three times, you know? And I remember going to the hospital and seeing a look on my grandmother's face and him telling me the look on my grandmother's face was the reason that he was never gonna do this again, Mm -hmm. never gonna try this again. Mm -hmm. And he didn't, but um, it ended up catching up with him in the end it was a really weird way that he, that he died. He, he was, died in rehab. He was in a sober living facility in Newport beach. Mm-hmm. And I remember like he was watching a jets game. I think he had called me that morning. I was like, Oh yeah, the jets are on. He was a big jets fan, even though they're terrible. And he called me that morning. And then, um, in the afternoon, sometime I just got a call from my dad who was frantic and he's like, Mike's dead. And that's like, what, that's all he said. He's like, Mike is dead. And I'm like, what? are you kidding me? And I just started crying and I fell down to the ground and I, I was like, the first person I called was my buddy, Nick Thomas, and he's also a filmmaker. He's like one of, one of my good friends. And I was like, I'm so sorry for crying to you, but my brother just died because I, mm. I was on the phone with Nick. We were doing a project together. Hung up the phone to get my dad and my dad told me, so I clicked back over and I was just like balling. Mm. And he's like, dude, cry all you want, man. I, you know, I Just what do you need? How can I help you? That kind of thing. And um, actually like a thing that a lot of people don't know is, um you know, people say, like, what did you get out of be, being friends with John Cena? You know, he, he covered all the expenses of that. You know, my parents didn't have the money at the time mm. to, uh, to he got cremated, but they didn't have the money at the time to right. hold a memorial service or do all that. So, um, you know, John called my dad and said, how can, you know, it makes me choke up even right. talking about, how can we help you? Wow. You know, and that, that was a big deal.
0: It was a big deal. Dude, yeah. John Cena for president.
1: This yeah. guy's, what a, what a mensch. Yeah. Hmm. It's hard talking about it. You know, I, I can talk about it sometimes oh, I once see. I start I thinking see of the, I see once I start thinking of like, he could still be here with what I know. Mm. That's when it starts getting, you
0: know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Cause then you end up in the
0: same, well, not in the same yeah. place, but you end up. But
1: I know it's curable now. I have a different outlook. Yeah, I didn't think that he could ever get out of it. And some people might never get out of it. Some people might have to have, a sober companion that stays with them, you know, all the time. That's what a lot of Hollywood celebrities have, but right. a lot of people can't
0: afford that. Which is what you were talking. I mean, when we started talking, you, it sounds like a role that you sort of are fitting into. Sure, or you know,
1: um, in in the program of AA, which I I don't go to anymore, but I always recommend it to everybody because it's free and it's and it's easy to uh, get into. You just kind of walk into a room and people accept you. And I, you know, I, I loved what it did for me uh, when I needed it. You know, in A
0: or in. Or AA.
1: I, w- I would or, go to AA, yeah. you know, and I, I hear... there's an NA. Yeah, sure. And I, I hear... So people say, like, if you want to... if you um, Narcotics Anonymous. Yeah. If yeah. you want to get laid, go to Cocaine Anonymous. If you want to get drugs, go to Narcotics Anonymous. And if you want to get clean, go to AA. My God. And that's sort of the, the rule. <laughs> Those are all very different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, because a lot of people in, in the sober community are still messing around. It's so hard to get people off these drugs and things. So there's still people that are messing around. And just they're trying to get clean. They have good intentions, but they're they're in the system and kind of messing it up. for And other when
0: you're people. taking ten Percocets a day, or however many you were mm-hmm. taking, and then I got up to about twenty
1: at the end. That's fucking crazy. And then I started doing Oxy and Fentanyl and everything else.
0: Wow, Fentanyl, the thing
1: that that uh, allegedly killed Prince.
0: Yeah, yep. I mean that's supposed to be just that's like a hundred times
1: more powerful than morphine. It's it's a brutal, uh, it's a brutal drug. You know?
0: So when you go to rehab and 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 you have to stop, obviously you stop, or they, they bring you down, they control the withdrawals, right? Sure, they they put me on Suboxone. Suboxone. Well, actually, and here's the other thing that, that's weird, is like, um, actually- My question, just right quick, is how many days until you were like, all right, I I'm, I feel
1: normal? Yeah, so I should, should I, I should clear things up a little bit. I had a major addiction. I went to, this is like a couple of years ago, I went to a doctor and got Suboxone treatment. So I got Suboxone treatment. I was only supposed to be on it. They say no more than two weeks- I was on it for eight months, but I didn't know. The doctor just wants me to come in every month and getting the prescription every month. I was at my parents' house over Christmas, mm-hmm. and I didn't have enough Suboxone, and I was broke. I kept going broke. That's the other thing. 40-year-old guy with all this talent going broke? What am I—like, what's wrong with me, you know? So that's when I— Because you're buying this shit on the street. Yeah, I was spending $500 every other day to buy prescription drugs oh. and just drawing money out of my account and killing you know, killing myself at the same time. Yeah. And that's one hundred eighty thousand dollars a year. Yeah, not thinking about right. it. Well, I I did it until I should say I watched one hundred and fifty thousand dollars in my bank account go away. Yeah, well, and and there, that there and that go, was there. that's so like we just well, did the math. Yeah, I, I knew that you did the math, and I go, well, that's a little bit higher. So maybe it's a little bit because that's exactly how much it, yep. it was. Yep. So to see that and go like, I'm forty-four. I don't own a, own a house. I could own a house. You know, like I don't I don't have certain things because because of what I did because of my actions. You have a wife? No, I have a girlfriend. Her Kid name's Lauren. Yeah. No kids. No, no kids. no kids. Yeah. So, um, so it's an interesting, interesting story, and I can tell this. Mm. So, I go to Gold's Gym one day because it all fits into this story. I go to Gold's Gym one day, and I see this girl, and I'm like, "Oh my God, who is that girl?" And I couldn't. Every guy has this story, but yeah, keep going. Yeah, I couldn't stop thinking about it. Like, so I, <laughs> then I went and I was, I was training, I was doing cardio, and she was talking to a guy who was like a fitness photographer. I'm like, she must be a famous like fitness model or whatever. And then I left the gym, and then I came back. Uh, I I went to eat something and I just walked back in to see, I was like, let me see if she's there. She might still be there. Maybe I'll just go up and talk to her, see what, see what she's all about. So I walked back in, she's standing right at the front desk and a guy comes up to me and says, Hey, you need to meet Lauren. She's awesome. You you guys would get along good. So we started talking. I, I didn't, couldn't believe how nice she was, how just a pleasant person she was. She was from Philadelphia. I'm from the East coast. I'm like, that's cool. So, uh, the next day we went to lunch and I thought I was just helping her with like her fitness, you know, literally, literally her fitness stuff. She's like, I fell in love with you right away because of your passion and your drive. And like, I didn't think a fitness girl would want that, mm-hmm. you know? So I was like, but I'm fat. You understand that I'm fat and you're ripped. Right. You know? So that was kind of a weird thing where she, what's her last name? Her name's Pappas and she's a she's a DJ. Lauren. Yeah. Lauren Pappas or Lauren fit DJ.
0: Lauren fit DJ.
1: Yeah. You can look it up.
0: Yeah, I do. You got me curious, bro. Yeah, you, yeah. You're so have all of us curious. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. So, that's her. laurenfitdj.com? Yeah. Oh. Come on, open up. There might be some. Might be
1: something uh, racy on there. I don't know. <laughs> nah, no, she's she's pretty conservative. Good. What? But anyway,
0: step away.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a little racy for her. She's not usually that racy.
0: Good for you, bro.
1: But anyway, <laughs> she yeah. Uh, <laughs> good for me. So so she so I so <laughs> come then, on two months down the road. I say to her, I go, Lauren, I have something I need to tell you. And she said, and we were dating at the time. We started dating uh, on the I'm going to s-
0: close out this screen because
1: I can't just. Yeah, get, get rid of that. that. You know, so so Lauren said, you know, I say, I have something to tell you. Yeah. And I'm like, this is serious. So just be ready. And yeah. I said, I'm a drug addict and an alcoholic. Get as far away from me. Currently. As you-. You at the time? Yeah, you yeah were- at the time. At the time. Okay. I, I had just met her. Like, I I was dating her for two months, and I said, I have to tell you something. Mm -hmm. Sat her down and told her, and I said, I'm a drug addict and alcoholic without even skipping a beat. She's like, what do we do about it? Wow. Without even skipping it, I was like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I'm telling you to run, and you're telling me, what do we do about it? And she's like, no, we need to get you help. And she just knew, instinctually, I need to get you help. So um, I said, I'm going to stop doing it. I'm going to quit, and I'm going to do it for you. Hmm. And that's all well and good, and it's all well-intentioned but you can't quit on your own. It's very, very rare that somebody can just quit on their own and and get off of things. You need, you need stuff, you know, even, even stuff like this helps people with withdrawals from opiates, but you need to retrain your brain. You can't just take something and move and move on because you're so used to these bad habits. It's like when you wake up in the morning, you're used to looking for a pill. So, you have to retrain yourself to get up in the morning and get on your bike Mm. or get up in the morning, and go for a walk or get up in the morning and read the paper, whatever it may be. You have to rewire reprogram and replace all the bad behaviors with more mindful behaviors. You know, if you're, if you're out getting hammered every night, why not, you know, go out and help people at night. Why not go to these AA meetings and help other people? And it's the only reason that I still am involved, you know, in, I don't go to meetings really, but I'm involved with a lot of people from AA, because I'm of service to people. The number one thing that they taught me in AA is like, if you're of service of, to people, you will have like everything that you've ever wanted. You know, and I was like, what are they talking about? Like everything will come to you. The more people I help, the more things come to me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't know if that's with everybody, but like it was, it's basically you're doing the right thing and you're helping people. So when, if I, if I help you and I call you for a favor, like I call, you know, I, when, when Hey, do you want to get on Rogan? I'll help you get on Rogan, right? So I helped you get on Rogan. We're sitting here right now. Yeah. And that's really cool to me. Like, you're somebody I, I really wanted to meet. And so uh, to me, these things are cool. Helping people will only lead you, you know, to, right. a, to a good a good place. And a lot of people get screwed and then they get all sour and like, well, I'm not going to help any more people. Forget right.
0: it. You do, I think you do. I know a lot of people that, that, uh, and not to pick on, and I don't even know if they went to AA, but they've stopped drinking. And, and uh, they're, they're, they're miser, seemingly miserable. They're grumpy. They're hard to be around.
1: They're bitter. You know what that's they're called? Pissed. They're that's a dry drunk. Yeah. So they they exhibit all the behaviors, and that would that's what happens if you just take Suboxone and go to the doctor. Yeah. It's what happens, and and don't get any therapy. Now the therapies can be all over the place. Like people do uh, all sorts of different therapies. Like really, just talking to a counselor is on your own is probably the strongest because you're not involved in all these other things and there's a lot of negativity in rehab so everybody's like wants to tell you about how they were way more were way more fucked up than you were and they did way more drugs than you did and and it's like that's not what it's about what it's about is what are you doing now to get clean you know how what steps are you taking
0: so I, I want to talk about prescription thugs because i also saw that and loved that and some of the stats in there are just fucking mind-blowing the fact that we are 5% of the world's population here in the United States of America. We consume 75% of all prescription drugs manufactured worldwide. Yeah, Dude. And so then, but to me, I see that I'm like, okay, that's a crazy stat. Like that makes why and how and who's behind and then you you know then where what's the fda's role and what's and then and then it gets even farther and the 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 debate over marijuana and it's and its potential to cure the bottom line is
1: everybody's guilty there's prescription thugs on every level yeah there's me the patient there's the doctor who wrote the prescription that knows that people shouldn't be on opiates for more than two weeks every doctor knows that Every single doctor knows that. I should say that again. Every single doctor knows it. You shouldn't be on it. That's the... the- By the way, I say this all the time. Half of all doctors, there's two things. Half of
0: all doctors graduated in the bottom half of their class. Mm-hmm. And you know what they call the guy that graduated last in his class? No. Doctor.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's, there you go. Yeah. And so, and that's that's interesting too. So the, the doctors, because of greed, were over-prescribing they also, the doctors get these patient surveys and they have to fill out these surveys. And if you get a bad survey, you lose your job. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing. If you don't treat pain, you can actually go to jail for it. This is what Dr. Drew told me. If you do not treat pain, you'll go to jail. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you treat pain uh, like you overprescribe, then you can go to jail too. Right. So it's like this weird fine line down the middle. And the CDC just uh, unleashed a... Uh, you know something to the big pharma that they didn't like they said look no more than 7 days people shouldn't be on opiates no more than 7 days and they are just really cra- right. cracking down on how the doctors are prescribing right. and you better have a good reason if you're going to keep on- somebody on for 7 and what days
0: what was the average it was in it was in the film what was the average amount that big pharma paid to every US senator and 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 like, congressman well
1: so I should correct that cuz I think I said it on Rogan a little bit wrong it's like $450,000 per Congressperson, okay. Senator or or Congressman or woman. And um that money is not actually paid to them. That money is actually uh that's the, how much each, you know, lobbyist they, they that's how much their money they're putting into each lobbyist mm. just to go bother all these people all day. Sure. Now, part of that is gonna be contributions, right. you know, a, a a good part of it. I don't know exactly what what part of it's hard to like weed that all out, you know but yeah so some of it it's it's for the lobbying like that's how much spent, money spent on lobbying hiring the lobbyists doing you know and i'm not i'm not a big
0: do. pot smoker not a, i'm not a pot smoker at all um uh but but i think there's also this 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 underlo- or this this Uh, initiative there to keep that out right states are i mean obviously colorado they're
1: spending money they're they're
0: spending massive amounts of money to make sure that you know either the country comes over the top of it all or each you know obviously we're here in texas so that's never going to happen anyways but how much money would you are they spending to make sure that marijuana is is not legalized
1: i heard i saw a story the other day and it was like it was something crazy like $500 million or maybe yeah. it's like definitely over like a hundred million dollars. Mm-hmm. And it was like, so I feel like, I don't, I, I, I think we're fucked
0: either way on that because I think that they're going to spend a lot of money to keep it, uh, to keep, you know, keep it illegal. Mm-hmm. And then if it ever got to the point where it was more and more legal, then I think big tobacco comes in over the top and owns it all. And then,
1: yeah, that's, it's like the weird argument is always like, you know, it's, it's a weird argument. Like why not just make it legal? And mm-hmm. they're like, Oh, well, cause people will drive on it. And it's like, you know, alcohol. Right. Like it, that you, there's so many things that don't make sense mm. in this country. And people have their heads so far up their ass in our government mm. that they don't know what's going on. Like, I can't, this is, I can't speak to the DEA. I can't speak to the FDA. Right. You know why? I'm not allowed to. Sanjay Gupta did this big, sub- big report on weed. Right. He's a top respected doctor at right. CNN. He's been there forever, yep. and he's awesome. And so Sanjay he's a great, Gupta, great friend of mine. Yeah, that's cool. I, I love to talk to him. Yeah, Sanjay Gupta. I can, I can make that happen. We San- could just keep doing each other. Yeah, favors. yeah, yeah. We'll just boom. You see that? It works out. Um, but anyway, Doctor Gupta told um, in this report that he was trying to talk to the DEA and he's trying to talk to the FDA. And he had to say the same thing that I did. Mm. I'm sorry, but I can't give you the information because they won't talk to me. Right. And um, the reason that they won't uh, talk to you, I guess, is they don't want to make statements that are you know, taken out of context, or whatever. but it's just like, it's really bad. Right. You know, so they say, we can call you on the phone, but we can't uh, talk to you on camera. And you're like, but people need to see this. They need to hear it from you. Right. you know. And so, um, so I did talk to a guy on the phone from the DEA and guess what? He doesn't know shit. He had no, he had no, I talked to him about, um, so this is Kratom and this kind of, this is your new documentary. Yeah. This is, um, this is Kratom. The whole documentary is about Kratom? Well, the whole documentary is about Kratom and the fight to, um, to get it regulated and keep it legal. K-R-A-T-O-M. Yes. Because before you told me you were making the documentary, I have never heard of that. Most people, most doctors have never heard of it. Yeah. So what happened to me was, um, when my friend told me that he had that uh, kidney transplant. Mm-hmm. I got a phone call from my buddy Horseshoe, who you might remember in um, Prescription Thugs, mm-hmm. who was uh, the guy who was taking 90 painkillers a day. And he's like, look, bro, you ever heard of Kratom? And I'm like, what? He's like, Kratom, it's like a painkiller. Might be able to help you. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, my friend Kelly, he's got this company. You know." So I was like, I, I got interested You know, right away. And then um, Kelly Dunn, the guy that owns that company, called me up. And when I, when I met him was when I knew that I was going to do this movie because I met this guy and he was, had, he was so passionate about this stuff. I couldn't believe it. I was like, Oh my God, like this guy, he, he kept talking about, I kept saying, well, how much money do you make off this? How much money? Like, is there a lot of money in that? Like all he kept talking about is how much, how much it helps people. Hmm. You know, every time I was curious about like, well, how, you know, and he do, he's done pretty well for himself with it. Yeah. But what I'm saying is like, I think his not, passion not, not to, to, to help people. Not is to huge. give you
0: advice, but I, th- I think, and maybe you are involved with somebody that's, that's manufacturing this, but I would be you know you don't want people to because you're as a documentary yeah, yeah, filmmaker sure, yeah. you have to be
1: unbiased, sort of, yeah right yeah, yeah. just right down the middle yeah, yeah,
0: sure. and, and 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 you know talk to both sides of it
1: yeah absolutely so but what i guess what i'm getting at is that um the passion that somebody has for something mm. and you go and do the research and you find out that they're that they're right is just somebody that i wanted to work with mm. So I was like, "Yeah, I want I want to learn more about this," and that's sort of where I got all my knowledge from it and, and everything like that. But that so was,
0: this is a pain. So instead of taking Advil or or, or Percocet, and you, you could take this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And the thing with that is, it helps people withdraw. Do from you Get do you get a buzz. Some people get like a mild state of euphoria. You just feel good.
0: That was a question. I wasn't like yeah. I wasn't like. Uh,
1: no, no, trying I'm To not. steal your bottle. Or no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, it's not, um, some people get what, like a coffee buzz, like they feel good, you Mm -hmm. know, and, um, other people get, um, other people say, well, it helps with my pain Mm -hmm. and other people feel nothing. So it's hard to tell, you know, so, um, the people that feel nothing, something, sometimes things just don't affect people, you know, but there's over, over 40 alkaloids in this plant. And what's nice about when you take the whole plant, a lot of times plants are self-regulating where they have alkaloids in them that balance each other out. So if I was to take the active ingredient of this and just take it, we don't know what that would do. We don't really have enough studies on it. We don't know. This thing right here, the plant. Yeah, see but the- just as a leaf, but just as a leaf and ground up and, and ingested, it works really well for pain. Like for me, I have arthritis. I can't stand on my feet for more than an hour without being in a lot of pain mm. and wanting to you know sit down somewhere. So that's a big problem. And whenever I um, get to that point with pain, I just take kratom, and it just goes away. Mm-hmm. And the first time I ever tried it is what I was telling about that story when the guy came to my house. He came to my house and he said well just he just said just try it like the only thing you can do is just try it if you want to try it so I but did. you're sober I at the times are you worried i'm sober at the time and i'm worried about yeah thinking what, yeah this, what if, this if is, something you know whatever so i look it up what it's if this le- guy
0: slipped me some you know exactly so heck, i look it up light.
1: i look it up i found find out it's legal i do my due diligence on the company mm-hmm. i find out it's you know it's a good company and they they work in uh, FDA compliant labs. Now this isn't FDA approved because no supplement is, but they, they do the GMP bottling and they do all the stuff the right way. And I was like, okay, you know, let's, let's try it, you know, mm-hmm. and what do what I got to lose? So I tried it and, um, I just took two at first and it I waited like, you know, half an hour. I was like, I don't know if I feel anything yet. And I was like, I was still in pain because that day I was working a lot, uh, shooting a lot of stuff and I was on my feet a lot. So, um, then I took two more. And then I woke up a half an hour later and I was pain free. Hmm. And I'm like, what the hell is this? Hmm. You know? And I called him and I said, I need to talk to you about this. Like, what, what is this? What is that stuff you gave me? And we started talking more about it. And, um, that led me onto a road of like trying to help people, um, get off opiates and just kind of use it in their, in their daily lives. And then the hammer dropped and the DEA said, we're going to ban it. (laughs) I'm like six months into using this. I'm actually started filming stuff for the documentary. And actually might've been earlier than that. Maybe like it's like three months. Like we're gonna ban this, hmm. and so things got kind of crazy. A lot of people came out of the woodwork to uh, support the cause. The, the issue with banning something that's helping opiate addicts right now is like, what do they do? Yeah. They just go back to opiates, you know. And opiates are legal, so that's the only issue. Is that what do you do with the people who are sitting in the middle? Like, so what's the? When was this? When did they? That was in um, October. Um, and then now, so now the the issue is it's just kind of sitting there. Nobody, nobody know. It's kind of in the middle, right. but right now it's legal. It's illegal in a few States like, um, Wisconsin and Alabama and a couple others, like five or six States, I think that mm-hmm. that it's illegal. But even those States, like the, I talked to the Senator Mark Pocan of Wisconsin. He's the one that wrote a letter to Congress that Bernie Sanders signed, Orrin Hatch signed, who's very important in the supplement world. And they said, we need, we need to keep this legal, you know, even though it's illegal in wisconsin already that that senator didn't make that law and he wants to fight it because he has people in his family that are helped by it and he just thinks it's ridiculous that it's, they don't have access right. to it so there's been no news there's been no news really you know like it's been kind of just like wait we're just waiting you know and actually so um i'm trying to get it approved as a dietary supplement i'm trying to get it you know get people to do some drug research on it so a big thing now is like trying to talk to the national institute on drug abuse and say look I'm not saying that this is the answer. I believe, personally, it's the cure for the opiate epidemic. We have the cure for the opiate epidemic right in our hands. That's a huge statement. And we can't do anything about it because the National Institute of Drug Abuse and these other NIH and everything... Um, they need to step up and do the research. Every time we've had an epidemic in this country of polio, we, we create a vaccine. Everybody bands together. The government puts in a bunch of money and we band together and we need to do that with opiates. We need to have that same conversation. I'm not saying that anybody's bad or doing the wrong thing or screw big pharma or any of that. All I'm saying is like, let's give people to access, access to drugs and supplements that can stop pain. And they're not addictive. Right. That's all I'm asking.
0: I tell you, the media is 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 all over that. <clears throat> I mean, every every seems like every other day in the New York Times, there there's a, there's major articles about about this 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 trend, especially in these you know the, the, the Northeast and these places yeah. that are I don't know what what the deal is there, but
1: maybe because it's dark and cold a lot. Sure. And in doing in the process of uh, doing this movie, what I realized I needed to seek out mm. is not the people that are all for kratom. But the people that are on the fence and against it. Yep. And that's that's sort of the angle I took. It's like, let me go talk to like not there's of course a lot of people going like, yeah, it's great, I use it for this and that. But I don't want to make the movie a bunch of anecdotal evidence of people saying that. I want the people that say, here's why it can't be legal. Right. And here, you know, and so it's more about this like legal battle and then play out. So okay. why what were you doing in is somebody here in Austin that you talked to about um, this? Yeah. So here in Austin, Dr. Marie Holcomb, mm-hmm. he's a really, really nice guy. He's a doctor. I was on the T V show, The Doctors. You know, when I texted you, I said the reason I wanted to film this because because there's like kind of a lot of outside media in it, right. and it'll be kind of fun to work our way through that. So, um, yeah, Dr. Murray Holcomb had his son Grant, and Grant was a heroin not heroin, he was a oxycontin addict, and he was really really bad. He just kept getting worse and worse. And the father's a doctor, going like, "How did this happen to me?" You know, hmm. and uh, but it, he was very understanding, and he said like, "Look, we just need to get you help." And the kid didn't want to get help, and the kid left the house and was drinking every day and taking pills every day. And we saw him yesterday. And from the pictures I saw before when he was an addict to what, he, what it looks like now, it's night and day. Kid looks amazing. And so I sat down and, and talked with him yesterday because we had talked to the father a couple months ago. And the kid was like out of town. And we just had to squeeze it in. So I really wanted to make sure that we got the son in the movie. So that's why we came and talked to him. And the son took Kratom? Yeah, well, that, that's how he – yeah, exactly. So the son – Did I just spoil the – No, 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 no <laughs> not at all. So what happened was the son um, – was able to get off of opiates in rehab. There's a lot of, there's great systems in place for that already, right? So detox the people off the drugs, get them off the hard, the hard stuff first. Mm-hmm. And then when they're detoxed for like a week, then you can initiate something like Kratom or whatever like that, you know? And I'm not, like I said, I'm not a doctor. I'm just saying that this is what people are, are doing that where it's working, mm-hmm. you know? Where it may not work is like, if you're, you know, 10 bag of heroin a day guy and you just want to get off taking Kratom, I don't I don't know that that's going to work. However on you know i'm big on um i do a lot of social media interaction and like mm-hmm. i wouldn't say i'm big on social media but i interact with a lot of people so you're a lot sees, smaller
0: on social media now yeah. because you're half the size
1: yeah there you go be. yeah so um so yeah with social media it's like you know people reach out yeah and sure. this kid reached out to me he said I, i'm taking 10 percocets a day i don't know what to do my friend my best friend's a heroin addict he's gonna die he's gonna die before me but i'm gonna die right after him mm-hmm. you know kind of thing mm-hmm what do I do? And I said, I heard you on Joe Rogan's show. I need, I need help. Hmm. So I said, let me just say, I'm just going to, because my friend makes it, it makes it easy. Let me just send you a box hmm. of stuff and you can use it at your own risk and see what happens. And I said, I recommend that you guys go to AA and start a program and all this stuff like that. So I get an email, like two months later, kids off heroin, like the one kids off heroin, the other, and, and has gained 30 pounds. The other kids off of his opiates and lost twenty pounds because he was overweight. And then the, the whole uh, the the other thing that was um, was really interesting is that this is like that, that was like five five months ago. They're still sober. They're still clean. All they did was take the kratom that I gave them. Hmm. They they actually I don't even know if they went to the meetings because I can't monitor that. Right. You know, but um, I know I know it's anecdotal, but if you could, like, de- I've I've helped two people extend their life yeah. and have a better quality life two people, hopefully those two people can go out, help two other people right. each, you know, and then, and then that, let's grow it like that. So that the whole thing is just trying to, all I want to really do with Kratom is get the government to realize we should do the research on it. If it comes back where the research says, you know what, this is highly addictive and it's crazy, you know, okay, right. you, you win, you know, right. but the thing but it is says
0: here, there's been as of 20, well, this is, the, this is the maybe an old Wikipedia page as of 2013, there's been no clinical trials. Yeah, no. So maybe yeah. since then, I don't know if they.
1: There hasn't been any real clinical trials. It's all like these little studies and, you know, user surveys and things like that. And I think that's why.
0: And as of twenty fifteen, there was a growing international concern about a possible threat to public health from kratom use, and in some jurisdictions, its sale and importation has been restricted. And a number of public health authorities have raised a blah blah, blah blah.
1: So there's a lot of misinformation yeah. with it. Yeah. There's a lot of people that are confused about it. Yeah. Most people don't know what it is, and then they see, you know, a video on bath salts, and they lump it in with bath salts. I think a big problem is they sell it at smoke shops. This, like, yeah, so they you don't
0: buy this at Whole Foods no. or at the, at and the that's GNC. What, and, no,
1: and that's what needs a change. This that, industry, bro, that, yeah. This so, industry I mean, needs a ban. What do you advanced. think people are going to think? Yeah, know. So they sell it at smoke shops, and they sell it online. So I was kind of introduced to like I thought it was just an online thing, mm-hmm. and then, um, you know, the smoke shops they sell all sorts of alternative. Yeah, K two, uh, you and know things. that's big here in Austin, and and I just think it confuses uh, the issue. You know,
0: and did I? read? I think I read. But people are that- seeking
1: it out, and they're going yeah. to the and they're going to the smoke shops, and kind of the only thing they're buying. Most of the customers are are just you know they're just getting that. And okay, let me let me let me just be let me
0: just because I'm not very smart, but let me I I got no pain. My back doesn't hurt. My leg doesn't hurt. My hip doesn't hurt. Not today, sitting here right now, mm-hmm. nothing hurts. Right? Amazing. Right. Well, with all you've done—that's yeah. crazy. So I—I
1: I do not need to take two of these. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Um, it depends. Are you mm-hmm. depressed? You ever get sad? You know, you ever not feel like you're having a good day? Right. It no. does that too. Yeah. You know, and okay. I, that's kind of the main reason I think most people take it. Okay. Because right. they're know, not I, I, really I, I, seeking pain.
0: Yeah, I'm not passing judgment. I was just curious. Like, if if you're sitting here and and you're having a good day and you're yeah. and you're pain free, you know, I'm going to stick with my sparkling water. Yeah. yeah. Sure. What, did I read some, I thought I read somewhere that somebody, maybe one of your counselors from rehab heard you were were either making this film or working or taking Kratom and they called
1: called you or they expressed concern. It was kind of funny because so my friend Richard Tate, he owns Cliffside Malibu where I went to rehab and. He was in Prescription Thugs. He was in Prescription Thugs. And one of his people called me and said, Chris, we love you. I want to let you know that. We really support everything you do. But we can't have you speak at a meeting because you're on Kratom. Hmm. And I was like, what? Okay. Like, I won't speak at the meeting. That's not a, a big deal. But it was more like a shock to the to my feelings. You know, like right. that kind of hurts your feelings. Like I've helped out here helping all these people. And I can't. They heard that. You told them that. They knew you were um, They stuff. just saw social media and stuff mm. like that, you know. Mm. And I'm trying to explain to them, like, look, I take this for pain. I'm not getting high with it. And it's not what I'm doing. And they're like, we don't really care your intentions. We just don't want people to find that out and seek it out. I said, I completely understand where sure. you're coming from. Um, I can see that too. However, I went and interviewed Richard Tate for this movie. And he's like, I don't give a fuck if you're on Kratom because I know you. Mm. And he said that he he definitely said, I can't use this in a rehab facility because it's not that we haven't done the studies. Um, I would never take it because we haven't done the studies Mm. personally like him, you know. And he also Mm. said, like, it's borderline criminal that the government's not doing a study if they can cure opiates, yeah. he's like, if what you're saying is true, it's borderline criminal. Yeah, And he's not, he's not supporting it by any this means. This is
0: the same guy. This is the same government that, that, that's taking whatever you said, 480,000, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, and, and,
1: and keeping the thumb on marijuana or keeping the thumb on cri- whatever. I look at that's, it. I look at it in a all different the way. Same. When, when somebody, when, when is a company going to be smart enough to come up with something that's non-addictive mm. Because if you look at the way we're going in our country, we're reverting back to things that we used to do anyway, like all these diets and everything, paleo diet, whatever. Going back to the stuff. People want things that are natural. They want things that are pure. And I think if the people speak loud enough, the government will eventually have to listen. Like the
0: Flintstones, the, pretty soon.
1: Yeah. Like, yeah. Exactly. They go back to the Flintstones. That's Stop like in our car with our feet. At, you know, at some point, somebody's people are going to start getting sick of their cell phones and throw them out or something. You know, like who knows what's going to happen. But we keep reverting back: solar power, wind power, electric cars, all these things. Like. Uh, we've done all that before. Now we're doing it again because we realize like what we have is not sustainable. Yeah.
0: All right, man. That's fascinating. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to keep looking. Yeah, I'm gonna keep checking it out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'll, I'll get and you the some. The ketosis of this to try. thing, I'm, I'm gonna.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I would I would recommend um, my friend Jimmy Moore, who's my friend now, just because I just met him. <laughs> so I say my friend. Uh, I met him at the conference, and um, I want him to be a part of what we're doing. If you so, have his
0: phone number, and then he's
1: your friend. Yeah, 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 yeah I, have, I, I have his number. Then so, you're yeah. There you go. Jimmy Moore that. is um, probably one of the top authors in uh, keto. He has a book called Keto Clarity. Mm-hmm. Ironically. Um, he actually put a lot of weight back on. So when I met him, he wasn't like, you know, he didn't look the picture of health. However, I don't think that that message, I don't think that that confuses the message. Cause the message is, is like, I I've done it to the way he says, right. and I've gotten these results. So right. I feel like, um, just be, now, there's other people like Dominic D'Agostino. He's shredded. You know what I mean? So it's all it's all different people that are kind of out there touting this diet. But I think the simplest book to understand is maybe that yeah. Keto Clarity. And last
0: question, so because I watched another, somebody sent me like a four minute clip on YouTube. These guys did this. They 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 starved for seven days. They didn't have anything to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they had this monitor, this little ketosis monitor, a little finger prick, and mm-hmm. you would would
1: you check your blood uh, ketones? Yeah, blood ketones.
0: Are those accurate?
1: Yeah, the blood yeah the blood ketone meters. I have yeah. one in the car. Yeah, yeah. Check them so make sure that you're in ketosis because you want to be in ketosis, to get all the benefits, and you want to be in ketosis for like they say like three months. Can 20s. I try?
0: I'm, you have it here with you. I want to try one. Or I one. want to. Try,
1: I want to. So if I did it to my oh, to, yeah to, to prick your finger, and I see would know what what my whatever yeah, your, is your ketones. But are, but you haven't been not eating carbs, right?
0: No, but I just want to know.
1: Yeah, we'll try. It. It's probably maybe like zero. Huh? Yeah, or maybe it's like point one or I, something. I want to know. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Good luck, man absolutely man i really appreciate you having me on a big fan absolutely if people want to look me up on social media it's just at big strong fast which i'm none of none of either at it at this time but
0: lean lean smart and and motivated there you go that's all we need right thanks (laughs) so much Lance. thanks brother cool thanks for tuning in to the forward podcast like uh like i said at the top of the show if you have anything you want to say, if you have a suggestion, please, God knows I need suggestions, um, or questions, or concerns, or criticisms, or whatever, let me know. Send me an email. Send it to theforwardpodcast at com. I know it's long. I know it's a little confusing. The Forward Podcast at we do, W-E-D-U, sport singular.com the forward podcast at wedo sport.com